0: Hey, soccer fans and SO peeps, welcome back to Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. I'm your host, Nick, and this week on our show, recapping everything MLS from the past week in action. It is Monday, July 18th. We've got like 25 or so games to get through and let me first say, the stars were out this week, and that's not just a Hollywood reference because LAFC finally got Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini on the field alongside Carlos Vela for a bit. But we saw Cucho Hernandez continue his streak, scoring streak for Columbus. We saw Tati Castellanos give NYC the victory over rival rival Red Bulls. Oh my goodness, I can't do the alliteration tonight. It's all right, we're going to get through every game, and trust me, I'm not going to miss a beat when we talk about any of the highlights, the scores, the recaps, the plays, and all the news from around the league. Now, in the second half of our show, we continue our team profiles, and who better than to profile this week than the aforementioned LAFC, the Los Angeles Football Club. And if we have a little time, if we got some stoppage time in us, we'll take questions from you, the viewers, The fans that are live here in our YouTube chat every Monday night. So, without further ado, let's kick it off. Well, soccer fans, I am Nick once again, your host tonight for Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central, our MLS Weekly Recap, and we're going to look at all the games from July 12th through July 17th. You know, something around week 20-ish or so in the league. We still have a few teams on 17, 18, I don't think 17 anymore, but like 18, 19 games. We've got a couple teams who are 20, 21 games, but that will that's a congested summer MLS schedule for you, right? Eventually, it all comes down to Decision Day. And with the way the playoff race is shaping up in the Eastern Conference and towards the bottom of the Western Conference playoff slots, you know Decision Day is going to have a big impact on the season. Now, like I said, we're going to recap all the action, profile LAFC in the second half, and then take some viewer questions if we got some stoppage time at the end of the show. So let's get right into it, as I said, because there are just... A lot of games that we got to cover and we're going to start with the games in Texas rivalry as rivalry week continues across the MLS Austin hosting Houston and just rolling them three to one. Now we're going to talk about these teams later as we get through some of their other games, but really the theme here is Austin's offensive juggernaut continues to keep rolling. And they're pretty much at the top of all offensive statistics across the league this season, uh, even eclipsing LAFC in most categories. Now, Austin, it, we saw them lay the foundation last season. And while we've come to expect big things from expansion franchises, they just didn't have it last year. But now they've hit on a couple DPs. They made some good inside uh Inside MLS transfers and acquisitions. And Josh Wolf had that second offseason to get his team ready. And sure enough, they are second in the West competing with LAFC for the Supporters' Shield. Now, Houston, however, moving in the wrong direction. And we're going to talk about Houston and the Dynamo a little bit later. So we will jump to the next game. Now, that was on Tuesday, Wednesday, July 13th. Midweek action as rivalry week continued. Atlanta defeats RSL 2-1. Not a big rivalry game, as we got a cross-conference matchup in this one. But for Atlanta, who is struggling with injuries, with goal scoring, with just the whole vibes in the team. If you remember Joseph Martin of Slate Rant, they end up getting a win against a contender in the Western Conference. And I say contender because RSL is still a top-four club in the West. But I don't know how many people actually consider them contenders, given LAFC and Austin are, are ahead of them. Anyway, it's great for Atlanta to be picking up points. They've had four points of their last six possible in their two last two matches uh, after Joseph's rant. So maybe the team is starting to come together. Maybe the front office and the coaching staff has said something to them. And you know what? Atlanta travels to L.A. and to Chicago for their next two matches. Not automatic losses for them, right? Chicago's been playing a little better. The Galaxy are struggling on defense, which could be a good sign for Atlanta United. So Atlanta United could get on a bit of a point streak here and keep themselves relevant in the Eastern Conference playoff race. Now let's talk about RSL a little bit later because we got to get into the aforementioned Chicago Fire. At home, defeating Toronto 2-0. And the big news out of this one was the 19-year-old striker, John Duran, getting the brace. Beautiful movement, excellent runs. Great chemistry with his teammates. And we're going to hear a lot more from a very happy John Donovan, longtime friend of the show, longtime supporter of the Chicago fire who will give you his Chicago fire updates at halftime of the show on the podcast side. So for all of our YouTube viewers, subscribers, listeners, viewers, friends, make sure you also go find us wherever your podcast, you get your podcasts. So you can hear all of your Chicago fire updates and recaps straight from John Donovan side note this might have been the game that retired Chris Mavinga. He said he was having some personal issues. He gave up the two goals. He got blown by by the youngster, John Duran. This might be the game that benches him and gets him to start thinking about retirement. Next up, Cincinnati draws Vancouver 2-2 in Cincinnati. Now, Vancouver's trying to make a bit of a playoff push here, but not sure if they can jump Seattle and Portland, even after their result against the Timbers later in the week. I think Vancouver's... Best bet to make the playoffs at this point is that they've got to just do better than the Galaxy uh, and and hope everyone else kind of loses. Because I don't think, like I said, they're going to be able to jump Seattle and Portland. Though Seattle not having an easy go of it as of late, and we'll get into that. Also, Vancouver has still two more games against the Galaxy. So they got to beat the Galaxy, jump them, and hope the rest of the league falls a little bit. Solid draw for Cincy, except they want more. Are they going to be? We'll talk about their next result. Is this the beginning of of that inevitable drop-off some people were predicting? We'll keep an eye on it. Next matchup, Eastern Conference, D.C. United in the nation's capital taking on the Columbus crew, and it's a 2-2 draw. And this was a great result for D.C. Because despite being the home team and despite having to go up against the latest, greatest MLS signing in Cucho Hernandez, they get a come-from-behind draw They scored two goals in the last 10 minutes. And really, it's kind of the same theme, though, for D.C., despite crawling back in this game. Um, Toxie Fountas is scoring goals, but D.C. is dropping points. They need to figure that out. And there's going to be a little bit more news we'll get to as we recap their next game. Now, last week, we talked about the Columbus crew with Connor McCabe. So go back and check out our recap last week. Go check out Connor No Soccer and his channel, and you'll hear a little bit about some of the crew players that we discussed, Sila Hernandez, um, as well as Pedro Santos, Derek Etienne. We get into a little bit of a breakdown, all guys that I love. Anyway, a couple of quick scores also on that Wednesday. Miami drops a result to Philly 2-1. to one. Minnesota United draws Sporting Kansas City 1-1. And this was a bit of a shocker to me. Nashville defeats Seattle 1-0 because Seattle now has lost back-to-back games. That's two losses in a row for Seattle. And it doesn't stop there. We'll get into that as we recap the next weekend's group of games. Colorado draws Orlando 1-1. And people are starting to question whether Colorado really is a contender in the Western Conference. Despite finishing atop the conference last season, it came down to some interesting calls on Decision Day. Honestly, I, I don't think they have the talent to compete. Everyone can throw heaps of praises on Robin Fraser. I just don't know if he can tactically go toe-to-toe with some of the best coaches in this league, especially if he doesn't have the talent level that they do. And they've been making some moves as well. Really what Colorado needs is for Zardes to find his striking form again, maybe get used to that elevation, playing up in that thin air in the mountains. Maybe once he gets settled, we'll see a turnaround. I don't know. Next up, Dallas falls at home to New York City, 1-0. Good result for New York City, who's maintaining the wins. But are they getting the goals? Not as many goals being scored uh, against Dallas as they probably should have. And then the final game of that Wednesday, a wild one. Cali Classico, the Galaxy at home, fall to San Jose 3-2. to Guys, just embrace the chaos. When it comes to the Galaxy and San Jose, just embrace the chaos. San Jose gets two goals in the 13th and 14th minute, goes up 3-0 in the 40th. Then LA claws back two more in the second half, and it's a wild finish, but San Jose hangs on to the win. And wouldn't you know it, the GOAT, according to many people. Chris Wondolowski is in the locker room leading the postgame chance after a victory over rival LAFC, one of the oldest rivalries in MLS and probably one of the biggest ones. Now, we got a few people checking in with us on the chat. Brother BKL says, hey, Nick P, let's get ready. Our recap and news. You got it, Brother BKL, and thank you for sending me some information about Tati. I'm going to work that in in a little bit. Anu Wiseman says, have you heard about Darren Eels? I have heard about Darren Eels. It's it's a wild move for Atlanta, but a great move for Darren and Newcastle United. Uh, Darren Eels, I think he's the, he's the GM or VP of Sporting. The, the reason why Atlanta has been successful, he ends up taking, I think it's the GM position with Newcastle United in the Premier League. So everything that he has built with Atlanta and probably built some good relationships with the people at Newcastle United uh, with the Miguel Amarone deal is paying off for his career now. He gets to go overseas to a Saudi-owned uh, team in Newcastle, a team that has a rabid fan base and who just wants success. Maybe they'll loosen up the pocketbooks for their new GM man in charge. Uh, Connor says, What's up, Nick? Connor, what is up? And uh, Amazing Kook 143 says, Scroll down. Thank you. I totally forgot to update the screen. We can do that absolutely for you, Amazing Kook. Amazing name, by the way. Get a little kooky here as we talk MLS. So as we continue to scroll down, we can see all the results. As we get into now, this last weekend, Saturday, July sixteenth, Canadian Classique kicks things off. What better to start the weekend? But it's a Montreal victory at home against Toronto, one nothing. And uh, guys, if if you can send out a message uh, to to our founder. Uh, Mike Guglielmi at SOP Soccer on Twitter. Just express your condolences uh, for the rough week TFC have had, losing to Chicago, losing to Montreal. Um, also, Jay, I know you're out there as well, man. I was thinking about you when we had that match. But you know what else I was thinking about, soccer fans? Jordi Mihailovic gets back after missing six games for Montreal, not to mention the international window with the USMNT, as well as a smattering of other uh, games that Montreal had as well. Um, but Jordy was back. Missed six league matches, played about thirty minutes, got involved in the game. Definitely not his, you know, early season form. But coming back, and Montreal squeak out the one nothing victory. Now, what's interesting to me about this result is, as bad as TFC has been in regular seasons, they always kind of seem to be a boogeyman for Vancouver and Montreal. In, gosh, in Canadian Championship and uh, any of the other tournaments, preseason type stuff. Like they always seem to to kind of have their number as a Canadian rivalry, right? But not anymore. Montreal gets the win and maybe tides are changing. Then again, tides might change right back once Bernadeschi and Insigne get settled into Bob Bradley's system north of the border here. Another big result, Philadelphia beats New England 2-1. to one. Philly continues they're winning ways. They they had the huge seven, nothing win against DC when they finally found their offense. And then they beat new England. And who did I just say they beat before of that Miami. So they beat two teams who are really trying to knock on that playoff door in the Eastern conference. And it really is establishing them as the top team in the Eastern conference. Again, you know, New York city held it for a bit. Redville's had it for a bit. Montreal at some point was going to make a push for it before Jordy got hurt. Uh, But Philly has cemented themselves, and really what they're doing is they're keeping the rest of the Eastern Conference playoff chase, that 5-7 through spot, they're really keeping that alive for a lot of teams because Columbus, Cincinnati, even Chicago is back in the conversation for a lot of people, um, are there. And we're going to look at the standings uh, right after our halftime break, and you'll see just how tight things are. Now, speaking of Chicago, they host Seattle. It's a nice three-game homestand where they lose to Columbus – but then get the victory of Toronto and a victory over Seattle. I would have never thought this. I mean, in my, in my picks and predictions video, which by the way, if you haven't liked and subscribed and started looking at the picks and predictions videos, we put out every Thursday, make sure you do that because I I try to give a little gambling advice and wisdom there. And I just, you know, try to pick them as I see them on top of that Seattle with three straight losses and not just that goalless in three straight losses to Portland Now to Chicago. It's incredible. Um, Seattle needs to get Ruy Diaz back healthy. I I think Seattle just really needs to kind of recoup. Maybe they didn't take this game as seriously as they needed to because it was a cross-conference game. But they're still fighting for a playoff spot as well. So I wouldn't think that they were going to take this too lightly. Now we're going to hear more about the Chicago side, like I said, from John Donovan at our halftime break on the podcast side. Now the next batch of games, we had Miami. Beating Charlotte three to two and a solid win for Miami, a bounce back win after the loss. Again, keeping that Eastern Conference playoff race tight. Like we know the top four teams in the East, but we don't know who's going to be five, six, and seven. And even if Montreal can hang into that four spot, um, Charlotte just can't get those consistent results. So I'm not too worried about them as a franchise if their goal is to make the playoffs this year. They may fall short of that goal, but as an expansion franchise, that should be the goal, but don't be upset if you're not going to, to reach it because it's it's inconsistent. You, you have, Plus, they made a coaching change. Now, it may have helped them in the long run, but you can never really expect a team with a coaching change nine or ten games into the season to really light the league on fire and be a lock for the playoffs. There's always going to be a lot of question marks. And as we said in episodes prior, if Carol Swiderski is not scoring, getting involved in the offense, getting into dangerous areas, um, it's, it's pretty hard for Charlotte to have some consistent offense. Next result, Minnesota United at home versus D.C. gets a 2-0 victory. Don't look now, soccer fans. The Loons are back in fourth place in the Western Conference. How are they doing it? Well, in their last five games, four wins and a draw. I've been saying that the last couple episodes, Adrian Heath gets his extension. The players are locked in. He's locked in. The front office knows how to support the coach and the players, and and they're just producing at this point. Also, it helps when you've got Reynoso playing lights out soccer over the last few weeks. He's got nine goals and five assists on the season. Is he a dark horse MVP candidate? I don't know. He just might be. So let's keep an eye on Reynoso as their season continues. Now, next up, oh, my goodness, I'm clicking all over these screens. Where are we at? We also had Colorado beat the Galaxy 2-0, and Dallas drawing Austin 1-1. So a lot of action uh, in some rivalry games there as well. Now we are going to move into Sunday, July 17th. Let's take a look at some of the comments and see what we're going on. Uh, Before we get into that last day, Brother B. says Toronto needs to focus on the Canadian Championship. If not, I have nothing to say. Adios. Thanks, BKL. Great, great take. And absolutely, if you're looking uh, to pick games this upcoming weekend, you got to make sure you take into account U.S. Open Cup lineups and rotations, as well as Canadian Championship. Now, amazing coop 143 says the Robert Taylor goal was one of the best goals that I have ever seen in MLS. Now, I, I didn't get to watch this one live, um, but. Miami has just a habit of producing banger goals for whoever it is. And Robert Taylor is just kind of the, the, the next iteration of that. So I'm going to have to go find the highlights of that one. Amazing. Coop. Thanks for letting me know about that one. But yeah, with players like that who can produce those moments of talent, Miami is never truly out of any game and Gonzalo Higuain is buying in and you've got a lot of hosts of players buying in. Phil Neville seems to finally have gotten his coaching feet. Now that the roster is a little more set, now that he knows he he's not going to have a lot of the big names available, all the off the field financial, um, you know, roster rules, all that sort of thing. So we'll see if um, if they can actually build on that, and if Taylor keeps banging in goals, I'm sure they can. Connor knows soccer. Says R I P T F C. Ouch, that stings. That's that's stings there, Connor. But you know what, man, you're not totally not totally wrong. Anyway, Connor does give us the hint that uh, Columbus traded striker Miguel Berry to D.C. United for an undisclosed amount in GAM. And we'll touch on that a little bit when we get into D.C.'s next result. So thanks for the heads up on that one, Connor, as well. I appreciate you sending me that message on Twitter with it. And the last comment we got right now before we roll in the last day, brother BKL, that's why I don't trust Seattle. This is why they don't have the best in midfield and playing with the B team. Yeah, that's right. João Paulo tore that ACL in the CCL final. And then Obed Vargas, who's their young up-and-coming star to fill that role for them, also uh, missing some time lately. And, and again, Raul Ruiz Diaz has missed some games. So they're without a midfield. They're without their star striker. And, you know, these teams like Portland who can counterattack, you know, almost at will some games. Chicago, who actually has a pretty solid midfield developing uh, with Brian Gutierrez and Chris Mueller. And when Shakiri's on and running that midfield through him, they can play through a Seattle team like this. And also, Nico Ladero came out and even said, we are not the same team that won CCL. All too true, Nico. All too true. So, all right, we are getting into now Sunday, July 17th results. And here we go. Atlanta draws Orlando 1-1 in a great rivalry matchup. So Atlanta, again, grabbing some points, staying relevant, probably playing better than their current roster, their current starting 11 would dictate. I'm disappointed in Orlando. I mean, they're still in the the playoff picture here, right? But I thought that their offense would be a lot better than this. Um, If anyone knows what's going on with Orlando City's offense, please let me know. Is Pato healthy? Is he even playing 100% of the games? I keep forgetting to check the lineups on that one. Um, But let me know because that would be a huge blow to them if they're they're only scoring, you know, at most a goal a game. Then we have Red Bulls hosting New York City in the Hudson River Derby, and it's a bitter revenge for NYC for that U.S. Open Cup defeat. And we have Tati Castellanos getting the game-winning goal to keep New York blue for the time being. Now, news just broke earlier this evening that Tati is actually headed to Girona, or Girona, I'll have to work on my accent, my uh, pronunciation, for the newly promoted La Liga team. Now, Girona is part of the City Football Group, and uh, from what I had seen on Twitter, from what Brother BKL had sent to me, uh, the the article, the link, the tweet, um, was saying that Tati or that city football group actually turned down several other offers to keep Tati within the city football group of teams and sent him over to Corona, right? It'll be awesome to see him in La Liga. I think he's going to do very well because he's a big physical player. And a lot of uh, what I know about La Liga, and I, I don't watch a lot of it admittedly is that there's a, there's a lot of finesse and there's a lot of um, excellent passing and dribbling and tactical skills. So Tati has that. As as a counter-pressing kind of of forward, he's a big physical presence that maybe La Liga defenders aren't going to be used to. So if I'm wrong on that, please let me know. I'm not trying to claim to be any sort of uh, Spanish soccer expert. Um, But that's kind of my initial impression just looking at a couple of, uh, you know, watching a handful of games a season in La Liga. But my question is, we, we don't know the details on it, right? How much is it worth? That's what we need to find out. Does anyone have any guesses? How much is Tati going for? And I think the question is, is he a $20 million striker? Now we we saw Ricardo Pepe jump over to the Bundesliga for 20 million. Uh, we've also seen Daryl DK go to West Brom for around 10 million. Heck, the Chicago Fire are selling a goalkeeper for at least 10 million, right? So you gotta And you gotta imagine that a, a prime striker here is gonna be upwards of 10 at least. Um but it's hard because that's just it. He's a striker in his prime right now, coming into his prime. So we have Ricardo Pepe and Daryl Dike who have tons of upside. Tati's ready to play and score now. And here's where I think City Football Group is making their bet. I don't think that it's going to be a $20 million kind of purchase. It's a newly promoted team. Um, they still have some some roster building to do to make sure that they can stay up in, the, in La Liga, in the top flight in Spain. But they want to have that sell on. If they're keeping him within city football group, I think it'll be more of a shorter term, you know, maybe two to four seasons there. And then they sell him again and, and make the big money. They're betting on Tati and Tati's betting on himself. Anyway, let me know what you think in the comments and we'll touch on that. Once we wrap up this roundup next rivalry game, hell is real. Connor. I know you've been waiting for me to touch on this one. Columbus crew two, FC Cincinnati Zero. And Cucho Hernandez just proves how great of a signing. This is his fourth goal that he has scored in three appearances. I don't even think he's played 90 minutes yet, and he's got four goals. It's an incredible signing, 23-year-old player coming over from Watford, and the crew are playing confident. And you're seeing Zelorayan's game get lifted up because now he knows he has a world last striker he can play alongside, that he can play balls too, that he can find him. That set piece goal, the little head flick on that Cucho does, Zellerion puts the ball only where Cucho is making the run. And Cucho knows he's at the near post. He can't flick it into the near post and redirect it. So he flicks it back over the rest of the defenders and the goalie into the far post. It was a thing of beauty. And uh, from what I was hearing um, on Extra Time, the MLS podcast, like he's doing that deliberately. That was not any sort of like i'm just going to hit it up and see what happens and it ends up in the net that's deliberate that is a quality striker knowing where he's at in the field and making his own adjustment to put the ball on net in a place where nobody can get it not even the keeper so that Cujo signing is fantastic now cincinnati still in the playoffs still a huge improvement on last season obviously a solid team but you know again we said it before they they draw against vancouver in cincinnati Now they go to their their rival Columbus and they don't score in the rivalry game. So maybe this is the beginning of that decline for Cincy that so many people picked. this as the statisticians would say, the regression to the mean for Cincinnati, but we'll see how they hold up when they get back to, uh, I think hundred percent health. I feel like there's a few little little guys that were missing some time here and there, but again, go check the lineups on that. And, And again, as Connor pointed out, uh, Miguel Berry gets transferred to D.C. United, which I think he's going to play really well alongside Taxi Fontas. I don't know if, if Wayne Rooney's going to have that lone striker or if he's going to try to play, you know, two striker up top. That's what I'm guessing if they're going to sign Miguel Berry um, and already have Taxi Fontas on a DP deal that they are going to try to play a two striker setup. Um, but you know what? Even if they don't, this is a great move for Miguel Berry because he got a little taste of things under uh caleb porter who's an excellent mls coach who's done it at the college level and the pro level and now he's going to elevate his game from playing under an excellent coach to playing under a very good coach and an excellent striker one of the best all-time so barry i think is going to thrive in dc and if they don't start dropping goals this season uh we should definitely see that increase next year for dc united now to quickly round out the last handful of games nashville Fall to LAFC 2-1 to one in the in the game where we have the trio of stars, Vela, Bale, and Cialini finally all getting on the pitch at the same time, albeit not at the exact same time. I should say in the same game, I think Cialini got subbed out before Bale got subbed on, uh, and LAFC gets the win, jumps Austin to get the top spot. Nashville, struggling a bit, but I'm confident that they're going to be there right at the end when, when the season is over. If not a top four spot in the West, then definitely a playoff spot. San Jose falls to Houston, uh, but Houston since beat Chicago back on June 25th, which seems like forever ago, three losses, a draw and a win. They're sitting 11th in the West. So they are happy to get this win. And it was in big part because of their new DP signing Hector Herrera, the Mexican international from, I read some quotes from Tim Parker who said that Hector Herrera gives everyone else more confidence and kind of freedom to go play their game. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist of it. Now, I read that a couple times because if you look at it glass half full, that means Herrera is kind of raising the floor of this team. That he, that everyone is getting a little better around him just because he's there, leading by example. But you want to look at it from a glass half empty perspective. He's covering for everyone's mistakes, and Houston is not actually that much better. We'll see how they do in their next stretch of games. I'll leave it at that. Meanwhile, San Jose is starting to play a lot better at home, and and then they have this result. I can't figure out San Jose. If anybody can, you could probably be a rich man betting on those games. Anyway, final game of the weekend. Part of the reason my voice is starting to get scratchy a little early in this recap, I was up late last night. Gotta love those, you know, Pacific time zone kickoffs here in the Midwest. Stayed up to watch all of Portland's 1-1 draw with Vancouver. Man, the Timbers dominated that second half. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of energy. It almost boiled over a couple times into some scrapes and scuffs, but... Um, There were also a lot of non-calls by the referee, which didn't didn't help that. Uh, You know, probably a fair result, given Vancouver kind of controlling the first half and Portland kind of controlling the second half. Uh, Vancouver actually had a couple good counterattacks in the second half as well. One thing to note from a player perspective, Vancouver started 20-year-old Isaac Bomer as their goalkeeper. Came up with some great saves. First professional game, first MLS game, I should say. One-one draw against rival Portland Timbers. Not a bad, not a bad start for him. You know, made some good saves, kept them in the game. Could he be a future Canadian men's national team? I don't know. Keep your eye on Isaac Bomer. Also, a little news: Portland is looking to sign Colombian international, uh, nineteen-year-old defender Juan David Mascara, and he'd be a U22 initiative signing. So. Uh, U-22 signing Portland, helping Portland kind of build up a little bit of that roster. Now, we've got a few other people checking in on the live chat, on the live stream on YouTube. Let's take a look at that before we get into our halftime break. Ramon Poplano. Hi, Nick and SOP Familia. Ramon, hola, good to see you. Good to have you with us tonight. Make sure you stay tuned for the second half. We're talking LAFC. I want to hear everything that you hear or that you know about your squad. Amazing kook again says, "N.Y. is blue." If that Tati bicycle kick went in, the entire tri-state area would explode. I'm sure it would have, man. Tati, I'm—he's trying some stuff. He's feeling really good, but he's doing it within himself. Last year, I think a lot of the, those good vibes and a lot of those emotions would come out, and he'd take wild shots. Or if he was getting frustrated, he'd, you know, come in two studs up, two foot, two feet on a tackle, and either get ejected or. or get some early yellow cards so he's finally been able to take that emotion and use it constructively which is a big step in his game forward amazing kook also says tati is about 12 million uh euro right now so we'll see how much that is i think definitely staying within city football group probably didn't uh have them pay a high transfer fee but at the same time um pretty good a new Wiseman says New York City puts a fifteen million dollar price tag on him. That's right. I had heard that that they weren't going to settle for anything less than fifteen. But uh, if they're staying within City Football Group, I wonder how much that changed. Connor checks in saying Kucho Hernandez four goals in eighty four minutes, uh, and everyone has come off a Zellarayan assist. So yeah, a little bit of chemistry there, guys. I feel like that's like an OptiJack stat, right? Four goals, all with Zellerian. Period chemistry period anyway um amazing kook says timbers are primed to win cascadia four points ahead of the sounders and that's as much as portland playing well and seattle not uh that big win uh against seattle certainly helped their odds and i I forget if that was in seattle i feel like it was so if they got to play portland again in portland then cascadia might be all but portlands at this point and he says the only way Seattle have a chance at winning the rivalry cup is beating the Tippers at Providence Park and at least a draw at BC Place versus Vancouver. Okay, so I so what I thought was correct. Thanks, amazing Kook. You read my mind. You were ahead of me in the chat there. Well, I certainly do appreciate that. All right, guys, we are going to take a short break. So go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna pause the show here for about a minute. Go get yourself a glass of water. Go get yourself a glass of uh, Skira Icelandic spring water. To be exact. And uh, on the podcast side of things, you are going to hear from our good friend, our sponsor, our longtime supporter, John Donovan on all things Chicago Fire. We got a couple wins to talk about. I know John's excited for that. On the YouTube side, we're going to take a short break. And for our YouTubers, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all that extra content. And for our podcasters, jump on in one evening for the live chat between eight and nine o'clock, Monday nights typically. Follow along at SOP Soccer on Twitter uh, for all the news. We'll be back in just a minute. This MLS weekly recap is sponsored by Skira, Icelandic spring water, available at your local 7 Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire update, brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John.
1: Nick, John Donovan here covering the Chicago Fire in the MLS. What a week, Nick. I mean, we started off with that tough game where they lost. They came back and lost to Columbus. But these last two games, I just, uh, against Toronto, um two nothing game uh, duran was out of this world i watched those breakaways four or five times a piece they uh strength speed skill he's got everything he can control his emotions on the field both goals were were just masterpieces of of soccer uh then he gets hurt i just i was heartbroken when i heard he wasn't playing against seattle but uh that first game against Toronto uh admittedly Toronto is is uh remaking the squad I wouldn't want to play them again in a month um they're bringing in a lot of Italian superstars but uh the game they played uh against the Fire this week was a solid two nothing uh win by the Fire and what was encouraging Nick was they managed the win they didn't come out the second half and fold yes they did uh give the team a little bit more opportunity, but they did not fold. I, uh, Ezra seems like maybe he has grabbed onto this team again and brought them back. I, I just got to bring up one guy that the last two games, and I've been bad-mouthing him all season, but um, he seems to have himself under control. And when he's under control, he's off. awesome. this is Carlos terran The man is huge. He's fast. Um, you know he's kind of on the edge sometimes with the cards, but he can play the game. Uh, right now he's probably playing the best I've ever seen him play. Him with Chesnoff in the back is an awesome sight. It's uh, when Olmsberg comes back, it's going to be awful interesting. Um, the fire with their defense because all three guys are great center mid or uh, fullbacks, and uh, it it just speaks for the fire for the future really does. Tehran was just a beast in the back this week. A beast. I don't see anybody that that could outrun this guy. I mean, he just was flying down the field, under control, not losing his composure on the field, which was excellent. And then the next guy, who they haven't been playing, but when he gets on the field, he's solid, is Pineda, American kid from Bolingbroke. Uh, he just knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy from North Carolina University. He, he just deserves to be on that field. I, uh, um, Jimenez, you know, he's played a couple of good games, got hurt in this past game, but I would definitely use Pineda and the squad. Um, hands up to uh, our clap for Ezra in that first game. Um, Duran was just a superstar. Anybody who wants to watch what a center forward should do, watch that Toronto game. Then the second game, uh, Saturday night against Seattle, literally, I mean, the fire played a game under control. It was a very even game, even with the stars that Seattle has on that floor. Um, Freddy Navarro, uh, again, a guy that's always got his nose up against a red card or a card, had a beautiful pass to Sezios. And again, the guy scores twice in this in this past week. It was a beautiful header that the goalie did not have a chance at. You could see the frustration of the Seattle coach. I mean, the fire played really well. He substituted well. I, I didn't like the substitution of offer in the uh, second half. I mean, literally without Duran um, and Chabilco, He started Chibilko because Duran, I'm sorry to say, hurt his ankle in that Toronto game and pulled himself. I mean, he did not play. Um, against Seattle, but the team overall, I was looking at them, you know, they're sniffing the playoffs. If they can uh, just get a couple more wins and stay, you know, um, stay up on their on their wins, especially a win away from from Soldier Field, they can get a few of those. They might just make this playoff. Uh, there's a lot of movement in the league. I watched a bit of the uh, Columbus game today, and they're tough. Um, the the addition of that uh, Chacho guy, um, and then Toronto's coming back. All these teams are scrambling right now, and it looks, I can't believe it, like the fire might be in that scramble. If nobody gets hurt and these guys can control themselves on the field, Nick, we might have a playoff squad. I, I mean, they've got the players. They have the players. its um, It's a beautiful thing. Another kid that played really well, uh, especially in that Toronto game was Gutierrez. He had a pass to Duran that, that was just a behind the pass up in the air, behind the foot up in the air pass that set Duran open. Gutierrez, 18 years old. He's our center midfielder for the future. I just hope they don't treat him like they did to Jordy. I mean, Jordy's back playing for Montreal, which is nice to see, but we've got a good center midfielder now in Gutierrez that uh, – Deserves to play that spot. So a lot of good things happening with the fire. Gosh, that sounds strange, Nick. But uh, we'll see how it goes next week. All right? Thank you very much for this opportunity. I love your show. You're doing a great job. And hello, Mike.
0: Thanks for that Chicago Fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week. All right, soccer fans and SOP's, are we ready for the second half? Well, I am, and that's really all that matters because I'm the one hosting the stream and the podcast here. But I'm sure you are ready. I'm not going to be insulting you. Um, as a reminder, just a little housekeeping matter. Make sure that you are subscribing on YouTube at, S- at Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central, as well as wherever you get your podcasts. Look for Sons of a Pitch Soccer. You can follow along on Twitter at S.O.P. Soccer, as well as email us at of soccer at gmail.com. Uh, or podcast at sonsofapitchsoccer.com if you if you're liking things on the podcast side of things. If you want to support our show, if you love the entertainment, if you love the chat, if you love that we're we're trying to grow the game through conversation, you know, this was a a very independently grown podcast. Mike and I started this about 5 years ago in his trailer, in his RV, and we were recording between his RV, my garage, you know staying up late drinking drinking johnny walker figuring out how to edit audio on like bootleg software we could find and now here we are about five years later with over six thousand youtube followers a thousand twitter followers continuing to grow putting out new content um if you like what we're doing and you want to support what we're doing email us or, or send us a dm on twitter if you'd like to get in at the sponsorship level and um, you know, we're willing to discuss sponsorships on, on social media or, as well as on the channel. But additionally, if you want to just thank us for a quick dollar here, you know, this is this is 45 minutes to an hour of entertainment for free. Better than, than most movies and TV shows, I would say. So throw us a super chat or a super thanks or whatever they're called. Do they still do stickers anymore on YouTube? I don't know. Um, but make sure you check that out and, and you support us. Throw a dollar or two. If you like what we're doing, if you love what we're doing, $10, $20. Bucks. Um, also, I know Mike wants to try and get back and do some more live streams, maybe get into a few TFC matches. He's already watching them. So if your team's got a game coming up against TFC, hey, throw 5 bucks our way and tell Mike to get on and do a live chat, and we'll jump in and we'll, we'll chat with you in the game. Also, again, speaking of all of that, I want to thank John Donovan and Ski Rise, Landic, Spring Water, for sponsoring our, our podcast and sponsoring the channel we, we we really wouldn't be here if it weren't for john's support and i can't thank him enough for for all his texts and emails and, and financial contributions to and what it means to the show so john I, r- I really appreciate it and i'm really glad that you got to talk about two chicago fire wins tonight i'm so happy i ho- i just wonder how long they can keep it up I, and I don't care how long they can keep it up i'm just gonna enjoy it while it happens now into the second half of the show, we are talking LAFC, Los Angeles Football Club, continuing on our team profiles here. Now, LAFC, it's obvious. Let's take a look at the standings here, right? LAFC is a top of the Western Conference. They are averaging 2.1 points per game. That is typical supporter shield Type of stats anything over two, you're talking supporter shield, anything around one and a half, you're talking a really good shot to make the playoffs. Anything right now in the Western Conference, around 1.3 to 1.4, you're looking at fighting for a playoff spot. So, LAFC is in prime supporter shield position right now, just ahead of Austin, who's on 41 points, 1.95 per game, and top of the East, Philly. With 39 points, 1.86 points per game. But New York City, 1.9 points per game as well. But we're talking LAFC here. They seem to be a lock for the Shield, even though we've got about a dozen games left or so, right? If not more. Um, But what else can we say about LAFC? Let's take a look a little bit more about their results here. 42 points through 20 games. 40 goals for, 22 goals against. So, you know, they're, they're... they're scoring a couple goals a game, which, which is fantastic. Most teams are, are happy if they're averaging at least one, especially those teams struggling you know, to make the playoffs. Where can they get consistent scoring? LAFC has that figured out. 40 goals for, 22 against. They have 13 wins, four losses, and five draws. And their only loss in 11 home games is against Austin. That's how you win in any league. Win your home games. And try and steal results on the road. And on the road, they're five three and one at home. Eight one and two. Why are they so good? Right? They've got stars. They've got a good coach. They've got excellent play. They got the fans. They got everything. But but let's try and break down a little bit. We're going to get into a little statistical discussion as well as we'll we'll add in some of the eye test at the end of it here. But why are they so good? Let's look at their goal scoring. So their expected goals is around thirty four point four but they've actually scored 40. So they've scored about six more goals than statistics would suggest they would. So they're outperforming or they're making the most out of their opportunities, however you want to look at it. Now they've got 284 shots on the season, 104 shots on target, about 15 shots per game. Their shot on target percentage is about 37%. And they're getting, here's here's a crazy stat, 0.12, 0.12 goals per shot. So, you know, they're, they're getting a goal and a half. If they're averaging 15 shots a game and they're scoring point one of those, you know, they're, they're getting a goal and a half a game just, just on volume right now, right? And by the way, I mentioned those statistics, not because I, I just like pretending I know what I'm talking about. But when you compare them to the league, LAFC is top five in all of those statistics. So they are leading the league in just about every offensive category. Let's continue on in passing. They're top three in progressive passing, meaning moving the ball forward, but they are only in the middle to bottom of half of the league in other passing categories. So what does that tell you? When they get the ball, they're pushing it forward. They're not playing a lot of possession in the back line. They're not playing a lot of, as you would say, tiki-taka. They're They're not, you know, goalie to defender to goalie to defender to mid to defender. You know, they're not a lot of build up possession. They want to counterattack. They want to play fast. They want to play direct. And that is working. Obviously, what did we just say about all those shooting and offensive numbers, right? Now, let's go to the other side of the ball, right? Let's go to the defense here. Now, LAFC has been high pressing a little bit more, which may show some of the lesser passing statistics. They're, they're actually, if you if you look at the high pressing numbers, they're second in the league In pressing in the opponent's third, of course, only to Red Bull. But in pressing generally, they're only ninth overall. So we've seen a mixture of tactics then from LAFC. They will high press, they will press, or they will try and sit in kind of maybe a a mid-block, if you want to call it that, and try and, you know, stymie the midfield a little bit and build through the midfield. So they're, they're doing it with different tactics as well, which is making it really difficult for teams to kind of key in on them and dismantle them or find a weakness. And finally, looking at some of the goalkeeping numbers, their save percentage is actually in the bottom half of the league, but they are they have one of the highest crosses stopped by a goalkeeper in the league and their launch percentage, you know, goalie just boom blasting it downfield is top 5 in the in the league. So again, there's that long ball direct, get the ball downfield and then counter-press to get the ball back if you lose it. So that's a lot of what we're seeing from LAFC by the numbers. And we're going to get to some of your live comments here in just a minute because I love that they're coming in right now. But the numbers really just confirm the eye test. And that's how I look at statistics, right? You have to use them with the eye test, with your understanding of the game, with what you're seeing on the field. You can't just close yourself off, put yourself in a room in front of a statistics website, figure out who the best team is. You need to match it. And – LAFC is a really good team, and they're only getting better. And I emphasize that they're a really good team because they don't have a player in the top three in the league of any single statistical category, right? But hey, in the last month, they've beaten Nashville, the Galaxy, Dallas, Red Bulls, again, all in the last month. So it's not even just... Over the course of the year, they had some good early results. They're only beaten up on, on weak teams, Western Conference, Eastern Conference. No, they're they're just winning all their games, essentially. The other thing we got to look at is coaching here, right? Do you, you really expect a team that gets a brand new coach who doesn't have all his DP slots filled to to really compete for the supporter shield? Well, Tyrundolo, Steve Torondalo is clearly the correct hire um, for lafc after bob bradley's departure now he comes from the las vegas lights which is their usl affiliate so he's familiar with the organization probably with some of the players some of the youth players if he ever needs to fill in um or or some of their developmental players if he ever needs to fill in the back end of that roster um but also he's got the pedigree he's played overseas he played in the bundesliga his entire career like 15 some years you know he was the captain of hanover and had a pretty solid usmnt career i believe he had at least one world cup appearance. And, you know, not not to be ignored, born in Rockford, same city that I grew up and started my soccer career. So I think that might have a little bit of something to do with it, though. He ended up moving to California, um, going to high school in California, playing for Portland uh, University, I believe, before starting his pro career. But anyway, we also got to look at some of the other players here, right? Arango and Sifuentes are your two leading scorers with eight goals and six goals, I believe not, not Carlos Vela though. I will say Vela has six goals and eight assists, which is a fantastic season for anyone. And and you do need your DPs to play well, if you're going to have a chance in this league, but LAFC has 12 other players than Arango and Sifuentes. So they've got 14 players that have scored this year. They have 13 players that have assists. And as I mentioned, Vela, six goals, eight assists, and he leads the team in key passes by a wide margin. So you saw the last couple of years, he was the guy. And when teams finally keyed in on him and either took away his left foot or double teamed him, he was less effective. He was getting frustrated. He wasn't locked in. He was picking up knocks. Now he's finding a way to get everyone involved, and it's paying off big time for LAFC. Now, guys, this was all before they got Bale and Cialini. They're only going to get better. But I think one of the best stats is that LAFC has not dropped a point from a winning position this season. They don't give up leads, or they get them back if they do. So LAFC, if they score on you first, you have an extremely, extremely tough time trying to win that game, or at least draw a point from it. Anyway, what are the expectations then? We've said all these praises. We know how good LAFC has been, and they always come up short. They they have some surprise loss in the second round of the playoffs, or you know, they, they they flame out of the U.S. Open Cup when they when they start their full roster, all these things. What are the expectations? I mean, the expectations this year are trophy, trophy or bust. If they don't win a trophy this year, I don't know what they're going to do with this roster. I, they're probably just going to roll it back and, or run it back and try it again next season. But, yeah, my age was showing there. I said roll it back instead of run it back, right? Uh, I think, th- I mean, they're going to just run it back. They built this roster now to win a trophy this year, if not the double support a Shield and MLS Cup, and then make a sprint for CCL next spring. Those are the expectations. At least one trophy, and then with the way this roster is constructed, a CCL run, hopefully a CCL trophy, so that they can, I don't want to say follow in Seattle's footsteps, but they can be the next MLS team to win CCL. So that being said about LAFC, let's take a look at a few of the the comments here that we're getting in ramon poblano lafc is mls cup or bust and and for your sake my friend i really hope that they get there and that la erupts uh in in just joy of their appearance as well as a trophy for you for you um also we've got zach harden checking in zachary harden thanks for joining us again man couple weeks in a row here get your appearance streak going he says USOC or bust for Kansas City. As I told Mike on Instagram, the season is pretty much done for us. You know, Mike or Zachary, that's what I was saying before, you know, a few weeks back. But then they had that break between U.S. Open Cup appearances, between the semis and and the final, which I think is on the 27th. And they started getting some results. They started getting some points. And I'm wondering, are are they going to try and, you know, finish out the season in the hunt for a playoff spot? Are they going to go for it? Are they going to... Or are they just going to use this to kind of see what they have with their young players? Uh, But then they lost a couple games recently. and, And, yeah, definitely back to U.S. Open Cup or bust for those. Ramon Poblano says of LAFC, like I was mentioning before, all the stats I rattled off, that's all before they got Bale and Cialini. So you think that they're only going to get better. I don't think this is going to be like a Zlatan effect, where when he's on the pitch, it's just him. And when he's not there, LA Galaxy still played Pretty well because they, everyone else had to work together. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but you already saw Bale with beautiful black back heel, like that might have been his first touch in an LAFC uniform. You know, drags the ball back and then flicks it behind the defender. Real slick play. He's already fitting in. It seems pretty well with some of his teammates. Definitely all smiles on his uh, on his and Chiellini's Twitter pages. Now we got Robert V checking in saying, "Let's go, Timbers." Robert, are they going to make the playoffs? Are the Timbers going to be in? It it looks like they might. Let's take a look at the standings here, right? You've got them in the eighth spot. They're ready to roll. I I, I think they can make the push. They might jump LA. They might jump Dallas. I don't know if they can jump Nashville because I think Nashville is too solid. But uh, I definitely think that uh, Portland's got a real good shot to get into the playoffs there. Brother BKL says, Remember, since SKC, when they were winning an MLS Cup and no Supporter Shield. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think Sporting Kansas City, for they're a victim of their own success over the last decade, right? The consistency with Vermees, the consistency with guys uh, like Zussi and Espinoza and Timilia, like Everyone just kept expecting them to win trophy after trophy after trophy. And it's just not that easy in any league, especially a league of parity like MLS. And finally, Amazing Kook says, I don't know if LAFC is a tough opponent until August. When they face Austin, uh, that is interesting. Let's take a look at LAFC's upcoming schedule here, and we'll let the uh, the internet here do its magic. We'll check their schedule. I mean, that could be incredible that they might put Austin to bed as far as the supporter shield race goes. If they can rattle off another three or four wins, and what's insane is that the, you know they're talking about transferring a couple of their starters. Um, to free up some money maybe for moving uh, Bail into a DP spot or just, you know, building out some depth for a CCL run uh, if, if they continue this hot streak. So let's take a look at LAFC's schedule. They're at Kansas City, who, as we just mentioned, is kind of reeling right now. Then they host Seattle, who... Seattle's kind of up in there. They're three straight losses, right? Are they going to get Rui Diaz back? Are they going to start their full lineup against LAFC? Or are they just going to take the L and then try and recover in their next few matches? Then they go to Salt Lake, host Charlotte, host DC. So if LAFC continues this great run of form, if they integrate Bale, Cialini, and everyone else continues to play well, we're talking about an LAFC win streak that could get extended another five games possibly. Now I'm not gonna put that in pen because we've seen RSL in Seattle and how they can surprise teams. RSL is gonna look to get back on track. They have a very good locker room atmosphere, very good mentality so you know they're gonna try and get back on track and what better way to do it than when the best team in the league comes to your home stadium? Additionally, Charlotte, they're up and down their wild card one game they're scoring four goals one game they're they're giving up four goals right? And then if DC can get that new Wayne Rooney bump, you never know what can happen, especially if Taxi Fontes is scoring early for them like he has uh, the ability and has the history to do in this league already, despite his short time here. Um, it could be different. But those scenarios, I think, are the exception to what we're going to look for with LAFC. So let's grab a, la- a couple of last comments here and and then we'll wrap it up for the evening. Amazing Kook says, RSL is currently third in the table. Yep, they're playing very well. They're outperforming all expectations, all coming from Pablo Mastorani. You know, Mastorani, Masterclass, Mastercraft, whatever you want to you know, play that pun off his last name, but he is definitely got that team playing extremely well. Ramon Poblano, Bale's going to score two goals on SKC. He's calling it from now, everybody. Look for Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale to have a brace in his second game against SKC. Now, Ramon, is he going to start? I'd love to see him in the starting lineup. Honestly, I would love to see him in the starting lineup with Vela and Ciolini and Sifuentes and Arago, and just kind of see if they can drop seven on Kansas City as uh, we've seen a couple touchdowns and extra points this season so far. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to ease them in, especially against a team that they should beat even without these guys in sporting Kansas City. Uh, no offense, Agri Harden, if I can say that, but I think we all know SKC's position right now. Anyway, fans, viewers, listeners, we're coming up on an hour on the show. I, I can't believe I've been talking to an hour. I can't believe you've been listening to me for an hour, but I love it. I love having your comments. I love seeing the downloads come rolling in on the podcast side of things. It, it really is a lot of fun for me, for Mike. And again, that when we started this, we were in an office, our cubicles were next to each other, and we were just kind of like, hey, you like soccer? Yeah, why, you like soccer? And, and everyone in the office was like, look at those two weirdos talking about soccer again. So we, we had to take the conversation to the podcast in order to not get fired for wasting company time. But also we wanted to make sure we grew the conversation around the sport here in the United States, especially around MLS a league that, that I've been watching since its inception. A league that Mike really got into um, after Italy's World Cup victory. And a league that continues to just give us great entertainment, storylines, and, and most of all, talent soccer, uh, talented soccer players. So uh, if you want to support the show and continue our mission to grow the sport through conversation, hit us up on Twitter at S.O.P. Soccer. Or you can email us, soccer at gmail.com if you want to talk sponsorships. If you want to just send words of encouragement, if you want to send condolences to Mike for his Toronto uh, poor form right now. Um, or if you want to support us here via YouTube, you can send us a super chat or uh, uh, give us a, a thanks chat after the after the live stream's over. Um, every dollar that we make, we reinvest into the show. For our Streamyard streaming subscription we're looking to start a website soon so it'll go into website design uh so all of it gets reinvested we want to thank skira icelandic spring water and we want to thank especially all of our viewers all of our listeners all the so peeps all the six thousand subscribers that have tuned into our content thank you all we're nothing without you enjoy the rest of the week enjoy all the mls matches we've got picks and predictions coming out on thursday Friends, SO Peeps, it's been great. I love having you all on the show. A new wiseman, Zachary Harden, Brother BKL, Connor McCabe, um, whom who am I forgetting? Everybody out there, thank you all so much. We'll see you all next week. Soccer fans, it's the post credit scene. Is anyone still sticking around? Does anyone still? It, I mean, it worked for the Marvel movies, but I guess we need someone to pick up on it. Um, wanted to share with you real quick some more MLS memorabilia of mine. This this fantastic Florian Cross Chicago Fire logo hat from who we're we looking at, the private bank, Chicago Fire. I think this is some like early 2010s or something. I don't even remember what game I was at when I got it, but uh, definitely not a baseball cap guy. I don't know. You guys want to rate my my fashion sense here with Chicago Fire baseball cap? Um, anyway, something that I've held on to for you know about a decade now, something from when I remember enjoying fire games live and in person before uh, before families and nine-to-fives and all that sort of thing. But stay tuned next week. We're going to do another little bit of MLS memorabilia that I've collected over the week for my post-credits scene here. Appreciate you. Take care, everyone.